Hello and welcome to Tell Don't Show, the podcast where we info dump on you about something that we found interesting this month. My name's Kate. My name's Ryan. And now it's time to get on with the show. I've not had a lot of energy recently and I've, I've, I've got one topic that I was working on that's halfway through being scripted. So I've left that for another episode. So instead, I'm uh, I'm happy to welcome you all back to everybody's favourite recurring segment, Eureka. I mean, now it's recurring. Yeah. Now it's finally a recurring segment. Yeah. Because it... And it's it, also our first recurring segment, so it's automatically everybody's favourite of us. Yeah. Which is my favourite kind of, of way to win, is win by default. Yep. Technicalities. Yep. So, yeah, we're continuing like, with my... I technically have to date you. That that's not you? even technically. That's in the contract. <laughs> Just the contract of me being on this podcast. Yep. <laughs> we get uh, 50-50 profits and we're in a relationship. Yeah. yeah. We have matching tattoos. Yes, we do. But we're not going to show you, fuckers. We're going to tell ah! you. Ah! Fucking crap. Uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So today we're continuing with my evaluation of every year in the common era because it's something quick, easy, and a, it's a justifiable way for me to go through the wiki articles of every year because it's it, it's something I've kind of always wanted to do, just out of curiosity. I'm going to say they were, I don't know, I don't actually think there is a good old days. No, all, there never all was. All of them were shit. Yes. It, it's been ubiquitously terrible. Yeah, because like even if you if you go back, well done. Technology's dog shit. The politics are dog shit. And then if you go further back, plague. What? Buboo. I'm going to boil you. Ooh, I have a buboo. Ooh. You will be boiled. Please, Mister Plague Doctor. Doctor. Anyway, so as I mentioned last time, we're looking at the year three sixty three today. As always, let's start by looking at the uh, the various aliases that the year three sixty three C E has. It is C-C-C-L-X-I-I-I in Roman numerals. Mm-hmm. I just like that it's two sets of three in there. I like Roman numerals. Roman numerals are fun, yeah. Um, it's the year 1116 in the Roman Ab Urbe Condita calendar, which is from the Foundation of Rome, mm-hmm. if you remember from last month. I do remember, yes. It is the year 5113 in the Assyrian calendar. The quite satisfactorily 1313 in the Berber agricultural calendar. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, used by the ethnic Berbers in northern Africa around modern-day Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, and Libya. It's either the years 3059 and 3060, or the years 2099 and 3000 in the traditional Chinese lunisolar calendar, with the earlier dates being water dog years and the latter dates being water pig years. What? I don't fucking know. Well, that's going to be an episode of just what the... Yep, this isn't a calendar episode, that's what I was researching and didn't have time to finish. Oh, lunar calendars. Just calendars in general. Fair enough. There's a lot of calendars, it's really yeah. cool. I love timekeeping. Um, it's the year 26... You're not autistic. I am! <laughs> it's the year 2696 in the Korean calendar, which is fun because it's 2,363 numbers larger, so it's 363 and we're doing the year 363. Yeah, nice. Wait, no, it's 333. 2333. Bad maths, bad maths, bad maths. Yeah. And finally, it is the year. Sorry, because you saw it. And I'll spit next time. And and it's the year minus one thousand one hundred and five in the Nanak Shahi calendar. It'll it'll be in the the full calendar episode. Don't don't worry. Okay. Uh, the year three sixty three CE started on a Wednesday, and was known to the Romans as the year of the consulship of Julianus and Sallustius, who will you know they'll most likely show up again in a bit. That, yeah, that name sounds familiar. What? I don't know Which why. one, Julianus or Solistius? Solistius is probably familiar to you because of the planet Solist in Star Wars and the Solistians. I'm ashamed to say that's probably the reason why, yes. Yeah, the little uh, Nian Nun blocking motherfuckers. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't like them, but... No, I don't They're. I don't like any of the Star Wars aliens because they're not nice. That's why I love them. I don't like I don't like those ones. I don't like Bosques because... Traditions. Yeah. Yeah, Tra- you're racist calling them all Bosques. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... Let's talk death. Yes. Last time in the year 1 CE, we had one death. So take a guess how many died in the year 363. 363 people. Or it's going to be something fucking dreadful. It's like 100 million. No, no, no. Thankfully, only five people died. Oh, cool. Only five people. Yeah, but let me tell you, there was was some heavy hitters in those five people. Okay. So remember how I mentioned it was the year of the consulship of Julianus and Solistius? Yes. Well, this was a Roman tradition from the Republic days, where they split their head of office into two equal positions, known as consuls. 
In Imperial Rome, this tradition remained, but the Emperor grew more and more likely to occupy one of the consulship positions until it was just a given that the Emperor was always one of the consuls. Okay. That was the case with Emperor Julianus. Julianus, also just known as uh, Julian, mainly known as the Roman Emperor Julian the Apostate. You're going to make the exact same joke from the dumpling. Mort! I'm ruling the Empire of Rome, Mort! How did you know that's where it was going? I was going to say, do you like to be called a king? Because I released the episode with that joke today. (laughs) Mort. Mort. So yeah, the Roman Emperor Julian the Apostate. So named because he rejected Christianity in his empire in favour of Hellenism, the worship of the old Greek and Roman gods. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, clearly Jeezy Boy didn't like that one bit because in June of that year he was slain in battle against the Sassanids. Ah, that sounds like a plant. Yeah, uh, it is rumoured that he was not mortally wounded by a Sassanid spear, as was told at the time. However, it's even a year later it was claimed that he was actually assassinated by a Christian soldier amongst his own ranks. Ooh. Uh, this was because they claimed that his puncture wound couldn't have been made by a Sassanid spear, but it was later believed that he was simply instead slain by a Saracen spear or, as Christian myth claims, by the long-dead Saint Mercurius. Apparently, Saint Basil prayed before an icon of Mercurius, who had served a previous emperor, mm-hmm. asking that Julian the Apostate would not return from his campaigns in Persia. Thus, when it was reported that he had died via a spear wound, they believed that it was the spear-wielding Saint Mercurius responsible for answering this prayer. Oh, okay. Or, you know, Julian was just arrogant and impatient and already losing momentum in his campaign and didn't wear his full set of armour that day. Who can really say? Yeah, who can really say that it wasn't the zombie? It wasn't a zombie it. with a spear. Yeah. Who was given a sword by the angel Michael or whatever. Yeah. And so, aside, yeah, aside from Julian, a guy called Mort died. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. I can't remember anyone else from Madagascar. It's the penguins. But I just know there's the penguins. That's the only one I remember. One of them's Skipper. It's the only one I remember Skipper as well. Um, there's one called Rico. Yes. That's the one who, like, has things randomly. Mm. Then there's We've the dumb one. Space. Then there's the smart one. <clears throat> then there's Melvin. No. That's a giraffe. Okay. Yeah, I thought there was a pig. And then there's Alex, who's the lion. Yeah. And then there's the fat lemur. I can't remember who he's, what he's called. Maurice? No. Well, it doesn't matter because um, none all, of, the, none of them died anyway. in the year 363. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well. Instead... The uh, Gola-Roman physician named Amelia Hilaria died. Oh. She was a skilled physician who wrote works on gynecology and obstetric- obstetrics. Fucking pronounce that word. Obstetrician. Obstet- obstetrics. Yeah. Obstetrics. Yeah, it's obs and gyne. Yeah. OBGYN. Yeah. And uh, she was also the aunt of Orsonius, a Roman senator who tutored the Emperor Gratian, who came into power four years after Amelia's death. Oh. Orsonius wrote poems about his family members, including Amelia, describing her as trained in the medical arts as well as any man, as an honest and skilled physician who trained her brother as a physician himself, and as a, quote, dedicated virgin who studied medicine instead of marrying. Who spent all of her time studying vagina. Yes. Which, I like her, oh yes, she did it better than any man. She did it better than every man. Yeah, she kind of knew what was going on there. Yeah. So we also know from Parentalia, which is Orsonius' poetry collection, mm-hmm. that Amelia Hilaria was so named because she was a very cheerful baby, hence oh. Hilaria. Oh, that's so cute! It's very cute. Uh, despite having very little written about her, she was featured as one of the 999 names displayed on the tiles of the heritage floor in the 1979 feminist art installation of The Dinner Party by Judy Chicago. Oh, cool. So at least which... she's still, still getting in there. Yeah. Uh, the Dinner Party is... It, it, it looks really fucking cool. Is this an actual art piece that looks cool rather than just like shy? It's not a piece, it's a massive installation. It's 39 elaborate place settings around a massive triangular table that celebrates the history of women in civilization. Okay. I believe it can still be seen today. Unfortunately, it's in the Brooklyn Museum and not in Chicago. God damn it. Uh, let me just show you a, a wee picture. Okay, no, that's really cool. Yeah, that's really fucking cool. I was um, going to look at it on my phone and then slam my phone into the bar of my chair. All of those white tiles are those 999 tiles. Jesus. And you can see just how... Uh, all the plates are painted and... Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's 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 pretty fucking cool. And again, it's 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 weird that she's basically got a couple lines of poetry written about her from her like nephew. Mm. Anyway, so uh, who else died? A Roman commander named Lucilianus. 
seemingly the only people who were noted down are Romans who have died. Yeah. No, it's, it's almost it's like funny Romans were bastards for record keeping and would keep records on everything. Yeah, it's also like um, most history that we have access to in the West is incredibly Eurocentric. Yes. Um, but I choose to believe that this is a factual recount of every single human that died that year. <laughs> I like to think of it that way. Like I said, we, we did it for year one as well. Exactly one person died and one person was born. The yep. global population of eight people stayed the same. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Roman commander... Lucilianus. He was serving in Julian's armies, but was recalled to serve in Gaul when his son-in-law Jovian was acclaimed imperator by the army following Julian's death. Gaul was Germany? Germany, France, most of... Up there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of your... Basically, everywhere that wasn't like Hispania or fucking like, yeah, further east, was, mm. they just called Gaul. Fair enough. Even a lot of northern Italy, they called Gaul. Fair enough. Lucilianus moved to Reims in modern-day Marne to oversee the Gallic prefecture there, and he started conducting audits after suspecting local administrators of being corrupt. They were very corrupt. Uh, so corrupt that one of them, hearing that he was doing an audit, fled to a barracks full of soldiers that he'd already paid off, and then riled them up by claiming Lucilianus was a rebel and that Julian was still alive, which led to a mutiny that ended up murdering Lucilianus soon after his <laughs> arrival. Sake. So they were so corrupt they killed him. Yes, he incited a mutiny and, and murdered him. Jesus in, Christ. In like, broad daylight. Two more people died, both uh, in China. Oh! So the only places in the world are the Roman Empire and China. Yep. I'm so glad that nobody in, uh, say, you know, Japan or, or Indonesia or, or Russia Africa. or Scandinavia, Af the whole continent of Africa, two continents of the Americas, the Pacific Islands. No one died. They all had very good years. Yeah, no one died. It was a grand old time. Um, so yeah, Zhang Zhuangjing, courtesy name Yuanan, and the uh, Duke of Jiping. I'm very sorry, China. Hang on, spell that name. What? The Z. Is it Z H A N? Z H A N G. Z H O G J A N. X U A N. Okay, that is just a name that sounds very, very similar in mine, which would be quite a nice. That would have been a good question. Quite a nice link. So yeah, this guy was the ruler of the state of former Liang. He became ruler in 365 at the age of five. Not 365, sorry. Um, 355. At the age of five. At the age of five. That doesn't make it much better. Now, after his uncle, who had overthrown uh, Yuanan's older brother, was then overthrown himself. By a five-year-old. No, by people loyal to the five-year-old. Yeah, that makes so, fucking sense. The last <laughs> so people, I am loyal. You know you're that bad when you'd rather be loyal to somebody who plays with a fucking Tonka truck all day. <laughs> well, the whole thing about it was, um, if they were loyal to him and ousted the person in charge, they would then become the regent of the, uh, yeah, the Duke of Shipping. Yeah. Which, uh, for the last seven to eight years of his life, he was at the centre of constant political turmoil as his regents kept assassinating one another to gain power over him. <laughs> Uh, Brilliant. Eventually, they kind of got bored of this whole charade of going back and forth. So Yuanan's own uncle, Zhang Tianji, killed the young Duke of Jiping and took over fully for himself. Okay, so he just died because... <clears throat> yeah, he, he murdered this 12 or 13-year-old so that he could get power. He wasn't in power for long, I don't think. No, I will say, China's history, especially in the early, very early CE, is turbulent as fuck. Oh, yeah. Um, it is insane. This, this period it goes into something called the the Sixteen Kingdoms period. Yeah, it is it is wild as fuck. Mm. We'll do an episode wars. on that. Yeah. Um, the other final person who died was uh, Consort Joe. So Joe Mama. Joe. It's it's like Joe, but like a Joe. I can't really. So yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a noise that we can't do. It's like a Joe. A jo. With a Y. Joe. Like a Joe. Z H O U. Joe. It on Google Translate. Not Google Translate, the Google pronunciation thing, it was J-O-W. Okay. But pronounced like Joe, but like a Je. Fair like enough. Fucking whatever. Yeah, so <laughs> Consort Zhou died. She was the favoured concubine of the Emperor Cheng, who bore his only two sons. Each of these sons would later go on to be emperors. One of these children, Emperor Ai, honoured her with the title Consort Dowager. Okay. Yeah, so that's all the five people that died this year. How many people do you think were born? Ten. Ten? So a uh, two to one ratio of, yeah. of births to deaths. If if I'm wrong, you I have to smooch you. And if I'm right, you have to smooch me. Those are odds I'm willing to take, especially because I already know the answer. <laughs> Only two people were born this year. Fuck. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fucker. 
Yeah, only two people born in the entire world. One boy and a girl. No, two guys. Fuck! Yeah, uh, one of them is Sulpicius Severus. Uh, Sulpicius would go on to be a prominent Christian writer known for his biography of St. Martin of Tours. Fair enough. The latter is much more interesting. He is Emperor Wu of the Liu Song dynasty. Ooh. A dynasty which he himself founded. Oh, nice. So he grows up as Liu Yu, living in a poor village with a fractured family, selling straw sandals, gambling for money. He goes on to join a magician's rebellion against the Jin dynasty in 399. Where he has, where he's seen fighting off thousands of enemy troops all by himself, thanks to his tactical position in a ditch. By L- the way, literal magicians. The magician was part of the Way of the Five Pecks of Rice movement. I will not provide any further context. Peck. Honestly, I read that and I was like, I don't have time to go into this rabbit hole. Yeah, no, that's a rabbit. But that is a rabbit hole you need to go into. I will push you into that. Oh god, and then I will defend it against thousands of enemy soldiers. Yeah, like this guy did. I don't know how that was possible. I assume he had a spear and everyone else didn't. So it'll they, could go, a, they it'll, could go over the hill and he could go, yeah. Yeah, it'll either be a spear or it'll be like a, he was hidden in a ditch and there happened to be an avalanche or a landslide and because he was... Something like that. In, he, he was witness doing this by the magician. So, you know, a very reliable source. And he just kept yoing. <laughs> Teach me how to yo. <laughs> yeah. So in 408... Liu Yu will overthrow the Jin Dynasty warlord Huan Zhuan at the lead of his own rebellion after Huan Zhuan overthrew the Eastern Jin throne five years earlier. In 420, he will force Emperor Gong of Jin to yield the throne to him, thus founding the Liu Song Dynasty. He goes undefeated in battle, conquers two of the 16 warring kingdoms, and he grows to be a staggering six foot one. Fucking hell. Veritable giant. No wonder he won so many battles. He could literally yeah, step on people. He just walked up to them and they were like, yeah, never mind. I mean, that's tall for modern day China. Mm. Let alone China almost 2,000 years ago. Mm. Unless they don't have the same height demographics as we do over here. No, I imagine they I imagine would. that's a global thing. I imagine thing. they would, yeah. That's got to be a global thing, right? Yeah. Although it was said, hmm, I don't know, maybe just Europeans got taller. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't think. Because Europeans still have the tallest people in the world. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, yeah, unfortunately, the Lusong dynasty is not long lived and it's full of many, many tyrants. But those are all other episodes. Finally, let's talk about the big events of the year 363. We have three categories to talk about Europe, the Middle East, and miscellaneous events. War, war, famine. For those at home, I'll tell you because I can't show you. I just did the shaky hand movement. War, war, drought? No. uh, The mama got a plague? Let's go. No, you choose which one to go for first. Europe, the Middle East, or miscellaneous events? Miscellaneous. Yes. Uh, miscellaneous is the shortest of the three categories. So firstly, on April 20th, Hitler's birthday and the funny weed day celebrated by edgy 14-year-olds everywhere, there was an occultation with the planets Venus and Jupiter. What does occultation mean? I'm very glad you asked. An occultation, not to be confused with an occultation in Islam or the occult, is the technical term for an eclipse and other similar events. Oh. Basically, when one object blocks our view of the other, but it's mostly used in reference to astronomical bodies. So like the eclipse I saw where the moon blocked. When the moon blocks the sun, that is the moon occulting the sun. Okay, cool. That's yeah. a fucking cool word. It really is. So if the closer body does not fully block view of the farther body, it's called a transit. Both can be called occlusions. And if the event casts a shadow on the viewer, it's an eclipse. Okay. Sick. So in this instance, Venus blocked our view of Jupiter. This occultation of one planet by another is incredibly rare. The last planetary occulta- uh, occultation was in 1818, on my birthday. And the next one will occur in 2085, in November. So yeah, to show how rare it is, both of these involve Venus occulting Jupiter. Fuck no. So in that time, that's not happened with any of the planets. Apparently. Jesus, that is really rare. Yeah, I could only find reference to four other times when this has been confirmed to have happened in history. And it shut them up. Probably. Although it's two um, tiny things going over each other. So yeah. Um, but I, I should clarify, only four of the times when Venus occluded Jupiter. Mm. Other planets have been recorded, like Mercury occulting things. Okay. But, uh, aside from that rare astronomical event, two religious things happened. First is the Council of Laodicea, wherein the Christian Synod approved Canon 29 which prohibited rest on the Sabbath, so Saturdays, okay. and thus restricting it to honouring God on Sundays. Oh, okay. Kind of a dick move. 
Yep. Uh, secondly, the Marmatai Monastery was founded on Mount Alfalf in northern Iraq, 20 kilometers west of Mosul. It is a absolutely fucking beautiful building, actually, and mm. is one of the oldest Christian monasteries in existence, if not the oldest. Still ah, in existence. Cool. So, Middle East or Europe? We'll go. You said, a, did you say Iraq? I just said Iraq, yeah. So, we'll go for Middle East then. Cool. Not too much happened in the Middle East this year. In mid-May, the Galilee earthquake struck Petra, the former capital of the Nabataeans in modern-day Jordan, and was seriously damaged. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so you may know Petra as being the uh, absolutely fucking beautiful city that is carved into redstone mountains and was voted as one of the seven new wonders of the world. Mm-hmm. It's I love Petra so much. It's so cool. Unfortunately, this was the end of Petra's now limited importance. After centuries under Roman rule, during which it had become irrelevant thanks to sea trade overtaking land trade, it was destroyed beyond the use for repair by the earthquake. Mm. Uh, other victims of the earthquake include Sepphoris, a city just north of Nazareth, and Nabrataean, which is a... Uh, yeah, there was a temple there. Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of temples, the Temple of Jerusalem was damaged. Mm. It was in the middle of being repaired under orders by Emperor Julian, but because it was damaged in this earthquake, he just went, nah, fuck it, you're not repairing it. Fuck's sake. So, uh, yeah, uh, maybe he viewed it as a poor omen. Yeah, but, probably, actually. Uh, there was another earthquake in eastern Turkey called the Arsakawan earthquake that severely affected the cities of Arsakawan, uh, modern-day Dogobayazit, I'm sorry, Turkey, and also uh, Salat, which is modern Sisian. Mm-hmm. Supposedly... Osakawan was completely annihilated, with the only thing remaining being wooden stone debris, with not a single person surviving. Fucking hell, that's quite a catastrophic earthquake. Yeah. Other Armenian sources attribute the town's destruction to a plague instead. So when you were guessing plague, maybe. Several other accounts claim that the earthquake was caused by various parties climbing the hill to reach the famed Church of Salat, which uh, the people who reached the building were apparently immediately slain, and all the others were fleeing or injured. Ah. What caused the earthquake? Sorry, that fat bastard walking up to church over there. Yeah, that's a your mama joke. <laughs> your mama's so fat, she caused the earthquake in Turkey. Anyway, Europe. So Europe had a lot going on this year. Funny how that works. Mm. Uh, thankfully, most of this revolves around Emperor Julian's campaign into Persia, which we now both know the end of. Yes. So in March, he took 90,000 men to march over the, or to the Euphrates River. Mm-hmm. Uh, he decides to send a diversionary force of 30,000 men, led by a man named Procopius. I assume, huge fan of copulating. <laughs> Procopium, because he'd always cope about things. There, he sent Procopius through Armenia to cover mm-hmm. for him and his advance. Uh, this allowed him to easily cross the Euphrates in April, destroy the city of Persiapora, which is uh, modern Anbar, or Perosrapa, and overrun several Persian forts along the desert frontier. Mm -hmm. In late May, we have the Battle of Ctesiphon, which took place outside the capital of the Persian Empire itself, Ctesiphon. Okay, so he moved pretty quick then. Yeah. Uh, Despite the battle containing 60 to 83,000 Romans, and presumably a larger number of Persians, the Romans managed to win the day, losing a meagre 70 soldiers compared to the Persian losses of 2,500. Fucking hell. I mean, ancient battle numbers like this are typically, like, hugely exaggerated in favour of the victor. Yeah. But even then, it if they were exaggerating that much, that I assume they would have said that they lost more than 2,500 people. Yeah. This comes from a Christian source at the time, so someone who... Uh, Wasn't do- a fan of thingy. Yeah, doesn't necessarily have reason to trust or, you know, embellish the achievements of Julian the Apostate. Yeah. Uh, he claimed that Persia was so scared of the Roman advance that they just offered Julian a large portion of their territory to the west if he just chilled the fuck out and backed away. Obviously he didn't, but uh, yeah. The reason that they had to retreat after this is because Procopius was preoccupied somewhere else and didn't bring reinforcements in time for Julian's force to make a stand against the Sassanid reinforcements. Okay. Uh, despite his desire to stay... Julian's officers all overruled him and ordered a retreat, as disease was spreading and they had no food to forage, thanks to the Persians' scorched earth policy. Scorched earth has been around for a really long time. I know, it's Probably because ma- it's a really fucking effective Yeah, it policy. just makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like, well, we can't have this land. We'll stop them from using it to support their army. Yeah. In mid-June, uh, this retreat westward began, and at some point Julian burns his own supply ships, I assume to stop the Persians from getting them, but it could have been for shits and giggles, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, to be honest, Ro- Roman leaders were fucking mental. 
I, I have a feeling it was, you know, his supply ships were heading down the river. He wasn't expecting a retreat. Yeah. So they couldn't sail up the river again because Roman ships were famously terrible. Yeah. Who knows that? Uh, unfortunately, that retreat was far from clean. And just 10 days later came the Battle of Samara in Iraq, in which Julian was slain and Jovian was proclaimed emperor by his troops. To allow them to escape, Jovian arranges a peace treaty with Persia, in which he has to give up four of the five provinces Rome had been occupying for 65 years, Jesus. as well as several other major cities that they'd conquered. Fucking so, hell. Uh, not the best deal, considering it was, you know, they were literally begging for, <laughs> we will give you all of this land if you leave us alone. And because and then, he didn't leave them alone, months, it actually put him in the arse. Yeah. So, uh, also, uh, the, the only other thing that happened was the Huns appearing in Europe. Oh, Reaching sick. the Caspian Sea. I'm sure the Huns won't be much of a problem if they just get down to business like the yeah. Chinese did. I love you. I love you too. So, yeah, that's it. That's the year 363 CE. More eventful than year one. Surprisingly, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I can only assume things get more lively the closer we get to the modern day. Yeah. So I, I need to write down... Which years you've done. Well, I've, I've already got that written down. I was going to ask you mm. what year I should do next. You should do year... 1607. 1607? Yes. Sure, 1607. That sounds like a good year. Do you know anything about 1607 off the top of your head? It was in the 17th century. I mean, I really walked into that one, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, there we go. Nice! Cur- currently, as of these two years, I think 363, a bit more interesting. A little bit more, but... But it threw the world population right into a fucking tizzy, didn't it? It really did, with only five people dying. We're down three people. Yeah. Which at the time is maybe like 10% of the population. It's insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there's, there you go. The year 363. Nice! So unfortunately we don't have any proper sponsors just yet, so we thought we'd take this opportunity to tell you about something that we're going to be doing over the month of October. Every Sunday at around 7.30pm British Summer Time, we will be live streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash show, all one word. We're going to be streaming various horror games, mostly the haunted PlayStation 1 demo discs and other assorted PlayStation 1 era spooky ephemera. That sounds a bit douchey, but I'm going with it. So, that's twitch.tv slash show around 7.30pm British Summer Time, if you want to watch us play some spooky games the whole month of October. Now back to the show. So usually our um, mini episodes are called dumplings because they're little info dumps, but I'm actually doing an info dump about dumplings today. It's a bit too meta for me. Not not about our dumplings. Yeah. About yeah. the consumable. So let's start with a brief description. Mm-hmm. A dumpling, a small savoury ball of dough usually made with suet, which may be boiled, fried or baked in a casserole. That is one definition that I got. That's our definition, isn't it? Yep. A small item of food consisting of a thin sheet of dough wrapped around a savoury filling and cooked by steaming or frying. Okay. A pudding consisting of apple or other fruit enclosed in a sweet dough and baked. Hmm. Dumpling has many different meanings, and there are multiple different types within different cultures. But regardless of what type of dumpling you have, I think we can all agree that they're fucking delicious. I fucking love a good dumpling. I pretty much want to try every dumpling on this list. And every other dumpling in existence. That would be really fun to do. Just have a have a continuous ranking of every dumpling in the world. Yes. Most experts believe that dumplings were invented by Zhang Zhongying, a Chinese medicine practitioner who lives who lived not lives, he's dead, who lived in the Eastern Han Dynasty that spanned from about two hundred and six BC to two hundred and twenty CE. Quite a long one. It's like, what, 400 years? Uh, 414. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's a lot longer than the uh, Lu Song dynasty. <laughs> Just a bit. Um, the legend goes that in a difficult winter where many had fallen ill, Zhang Jing took mutton, herbs and chilli and wrapped them in a dough. He steamed them to bind everything together and keep it warm and then fed them to people to help them overcome cold weather and combat frostbite. So basically kind of playing on the theory of opposites of give spicy food yeah, give warm and spicy to help with the cold. Yes. However, so, you know, obviously there's that origin, uh, but dumplings are all over the world with ravioli and empanadas fitting into the definition of dumpling. 
Uh, Ravioli as a dumpling makes me feel dirty. I don't know why, but to me it is just pasta. It's not a dumpling. But it is a dumpling. It's a pasta dumpling. It's a pasta dumpling, and that's what annoys me. And then an empanada. I haven't gone into, but I do want to try them. Is a burrito a dumpling? No. Why? Because it's a tortilla. As opposed to... It's not a fucking dumpling. Because it's not steamed or boiled, is it? You're right. You don't... I mean, yeah, you can pan fry a burrito, but to have a burrito, you don't need to then boil it or steam. You don't need to cook the burrito. Once you've prepped it, it's done. If I deep fry a burrito, does that make it a dumpling? I guess it could be, but still, I think it's... It's one of those things like, what's a soup or a cereal? I think for a dumpling, it it has to be cooked. A burrito doesn't need to be cooked once yeah. it is so you've made. So you've not found any raw dumplings, so to speak? No, I have not. They, they might exist, but... So, back onto <laughs> Just your burrito. I want a burrito now. Um, God, same. Ever since, ever since you showed me that thing, with the, the lunchbox for burritos, I've like, wanted a burrito. <laughs> <laughs> but dumplings are all over the world. Like I said, with ravioli and empanadas being some examples... Um, recipes have been found in ancient Roman texts, with the first recipe being found in Apicius, which is a Roman cookbook. Hmm. Probably covered in garum. Yeah. If it's the Romans. I wonder if we can find a copy of that. Probably. Cool. Whilst they've been around for ages, the term dumplings was first used in English texts from 1600. The word was noted as having a possible German origin, and when I looked up the etymology, all that I got given was dump, dumpling, creates dumpling. Thank you, fucking Google. That was the most useless information I've ever had. But that does imply that there was once upon a time a gigantic food known as the dump. Which is what happens when I make suet dumplings and I'm too lazy to make them standard size, so I just put four giant lumps into the slow cooker and call them big dumps. You know I fucking love that, though. Same. Um, So, to explore the world of dumplings, I've collected quite a few examples of different types, but, and I reiterate, this is definitely not all the types of dumplings. Oh no. So... Let's begin. There is akashiyaki. What kind of dumpling does that sound like? If you are thinking takoyaki, you'll be correct. It is pretty much... So takoyaki is based on akashiyaki. Uh, This is a small round dumpling from the akashi in Hyogo Prefecture in Japan. Sorry for pronunciations. The dumpling is made from an egg-rich batter, an octopus, and it's dipped in dashi before eating. That sounds very similar to takoyaki. Yes. But this has a softer and more eggy texture. They are oh. shown in the cyberpunk visual novel, but it was replaced with a Neo Kobe pizza in the English version, which I thought was a delightful link because we've just recently watched the cyberpunk anime and I'm still not over oh it. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. I'm not over it. No. We're not going to give away spoilers, but I'm sad. Yeah, um, that's, that's a, it's cyberpunk, so there's no real happy endings. Yeah. And then our next one. Hails from a different country because I have tried to touch on as many countries as I can, but obviously, if I have left you, if I've left your country out, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll wrap all this up at the end with a request for more. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of countries today. There's a lot of countries that are no longer around today, and there are a shit ton of different ethnic groups and cultures within each of those countries, each of which probably have one or more types of dumplings. Exactly. So ada or ella ada is an Indian sweet dumpling. It is a rice flour-based dough with a sweet filling steamed in banana leaf eaten for breakfast or dessert. Oh. It contains grated coconut, rice flour in the dough, and sugar slash jaggery. Jaggery is a traditional non-centrifugal cane sugar. So I think it's more like a not... It, no, it's just sugar. You know, raw sugar. Right. Um, that I'm, sounds really good. This sounds sort of mucky with the rice flour. Yeah, it does. Sometimes banana is also added to the filling or jackfruit jam, which again sounds delicious. This sweet dumpling comes from the Kerala region in India. Don't quite know where that is. I can't say. It sounds very good though. It really does. All of the like. I'm not, yeah, not going to comment these, on whether they sound salivating. good or not because I'll say it. For There's only one. one that sounds a bit iffy, but I would try it. Yeah, of course. Dumpling ba- completionists. Damn right. Bawan is a Taiwanese street food consisting of a dough made of sweet potato starch and filled with a savoury filling. The filling is different in different regions, but a common one is a mix of pork, bamboo shoots and shiitake. They're usually steamed, but can be fried as well. And because it is made of sweet potato starch, they go kind of translucent. Because... Have you never have you seen Korean sweet potato noodles? No. They're the ones that are quite translucent. I had no idea sweet potato went translucent. Yeah, when it's the starch. That's because the... I don't like 
sweet potato. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you'd be fine with sweet potato to start. We'll have to Probably. see. Probably. I mean, it's just starch um, at the end of the day, really. But it's from the picture that I saw. It also has like this kind of gravy, saucy stuff on top. Oh. Um, looks again delicious. Some of these are very simple definitions. Some of them are not. Because Sorry with the sauce. Saucy boy. You are a saucy boy. Um, because I was going to touch on as many dumplings as I could. Now, Bowsy or Bow. Oh, yeah, Bowsy. Is a yeast leavened bun, sometimes called Mantou in northern China. There are two main types, which is Dabao and Xiaobao, which apparently means big and small. And they have multiple different fillings, like meat and veg, and some can even be sweet as well, like custard bao and red bean bao. Basically, uh... they are. Any bow. filling you can think will probably go into a bao. Isn't a harata bun also technically a bao bun? I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, so harata bun, it gets mm. called harata, but that's also a bao, and that is just an empty one that you then fill like a sandwich. I'm just thinking of the Dijingar uh, bao. Yeah, um, they're the custard ones, and we have also had them before where they can be deep fried, which gives them a really nice crispy deep shell fried. on the outside. God, they're so good. The next one, this is one that I'd be a bit iffy with, but that is just because I don't really like blood sausage. This is blood palt. Uh, it is a palt, which is a potato-based meat-filled dumpling, so technically I've touched on two for the price of one, mm -hmm. uh, but with blood added to the dough, which makes it more nutritious, and it also means, you know, historically, when it was nose-to-tail eating, the blood didn't go to waste, um, and it was often eaten during long, cold winters. And I also know from learning about cultures that did eat blood so very very northern norway um oh yeah you know basically arse end of nowhere blood goes off fast yeah that's why blood sausage exists that's why blood pancakes uh blood pulp all these things exist is because they needed to get it used because it is very nutritious yeah. but Stuff it goes you can off use really up quick. quickly while you store the meat yeah for a bit longer that sounds interesting though it does sound interesting i would try it but i'd just be a bit iffy because i don't I've like wanted blood to try sausage. blood pancakes oh well same, but I don't want to... I, I always feel iffy going into a butcher and going, hey, what, mate, can I have a litre of blood? Yeah, give me your blood. <laughs> On to the next. No, not the animal's blood. God. Um, <laughs> Go to Subway with it. Give me your... Put this blood on my sub. Put this blood on my sub now! Your fringe dip with pig blood. Oh, on a Subway. Hell. Right, um, let's go back to delicious d delicious dumplings yeah, rather let's than get back um, on track. French dip with blood. <laughs> This one's a bit of a difficult one to pronounce, but I will give it my damnedest. We have Selelianai. Hang on. Can I have a look? Yeah, that one there. Sheliani. Selelianai. Selelianai, or I'll go for this one. Didsku... Okay, so basically, this Selelianai. We... I can't fucking pronounce it. I really don't want to... I, I have tried, but it's either if you don't try, it can be offensive, and if you try as badly as I did... That's more offensive. I could not pronounce it, but it is a Lithuanian dumpling. It is the national dish of Lithuania, so look it up uh -huh. and you'll be able to find it there. It is a potato dumpling that is stuffed with ground meat or dried cheese curds or mushrooms, mix of both. Their name comes from the fact that they are shaped like a zeppelin. That's a fairly recent one. Apparently. Apparently. Um, after boiling, they are often served with a sour cream sauce and bacon bits, which sounds Fucking delicious to me. <laughs> Similar dishes are the Polish peasy, Swedish kropkaka, and Norwegian raspobol, which again are just potato-filled... No, not potato-filled, filled potato dumplings, which sounds yes. amazing. Dry curd, cheese, sour cream sauce. Like, cream sauces are good. I prefer tomato-based sauces personally, but... is that, When it's a white cream sauce, that's okay. Mm. But I know you've not had them, but Ikea meatballs... And they have that cream meat sauce. So it's a cream-based sauce, but it's brown, mm. like a gravy. Never had that. That's good. Chochiotes are a Mexican dumpling that are made with corn masa. Um, you know, we use for arepa. Oh, of course. And they are usually served in soups. Again, this was a very short definition, but basically they are, rather than suet, it's corn masa. And you so boil similar them. to our suet dumplings. Yes. And put them in soups. But corny. Yeah. Oh, is it, is it just going to be like a, like a big lump of corn flour? No, 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 no. It's a nice it's a nice dough. I'm sure it is. Um I, I say that like I don't enjoy the cornflour lumps and stuff. Yeah, sometimes. that's true. Um a dim sim is a Chinese inspired dumpling snack popular in Australia. It was popularized in around the nineteen forties by William Cheng Wing Young, who came from Guangdong. The fillings are mainly mince and cabbage, but unlike typical Chinese dumplings, their casing is thicker 
and doughier. They are more robust in shape, usually steamed, but can be deep fried or barbecued, which is very Australian. That is the most Australian um, cooking method. But as they look kind of like, uh, if you can imagine, kind of a kimbap, yeah, but dumpling. A dim sim. Yeah, it came because it's a simulation dim sum. No, it comes from a different type of pronunciation um, ah. to do with the region that he came from. From Gongdong. Yeah, or somewhere within there. It was like no, the pronunciation of it came from the dialect that was used by Chinese immigrants in Australia. Right. So I kind see. of like a Creole type. Yeah. Thing. So it is dim sum, but pronounced in a different way. So then it became known as dim sim in English. I think it was actually named after a Chinese dish. Right. Dim sim, and then it was the pronunciation. I can't quite remember, but I know it is based on the Chinese dialect of... So, what's cool? On to the next one. Noki! You forget that Noki are dumplings. Yeah. Noki are small dumplings made of flour, egg, and mashed potato. They're usually the size of a wine cork, and they are ridged along the side. Um, If you make them at home, you usually use a fork. Or you can get a special board yeah, that has grooves down them and you roll them if down. If you want to be a twat, you can buy a special knocky board. You say that, but I would if, if I had time to make knocky, but I don't because yeah. I'm lazy. Here's the thing. If we made knocky enough that we'd feel the need for a knocky board, then fair enough. Yeah. But it's such specialty it is, equipment like yeah. that that I just find so stupid. They are usually boiled, but can be browned in a pan once cooked for a crispy texture, which is what your family mm-hmm. do. Popular accompaniments are melted butter or pesto. Personally, for me, I prefer tomato-based sauce, so I like to put a bit of tomato sauce on there. Maybe a bit of cheese. Oh, you know, yeah. Very standard tomato cheese. Done. And now we are on to gunjia, which are a sweet deep-fried Indian dumpling stuffed with a mix of sweetened koa, which is milk, solids, and dried fruits. A lot of the sweet ones seem to be more... From India, at least. I was going to say that's two out of two Indian ones. Being sweet, sweet, yeah. They are fried in ghee, which is a clarified butter. Very Indian. Earliest mention of these was from the 13th century when a jaggery honey mix was covered with wheat flour and then sun dried. That sounds aggressively sweet. Yes, that sounds really, really, really sweet. This one sounds a bit nicer, not as insanely sweet. Yeah, the modern ones. Yeah. Although it sounds just as unhealthy. Yeah, but I'd probably still eat one. I mean, we've got to have it. Yeah. Yeah. Gulla, or gulha, on short, Probably gulla. is a Maldavian dish of small bowl-shaped dumplings, usually filled with tuna, onion, coconut, and chilli. Uh, mm-hmm. They can be deep-fried or oven-baked. The dough can be made either with wheat flour or rice flour, but if you use rice flour, they'll have a crunchier texture. Again, sounds fucking delicious. Sounds very, I'm not sure how I feel about a crunchy dumpling, but I suppose a fry knocky. Yeah. I'm, ge- it just mean- I'm guessing it just means crispier on the shell outside. Probably. And again, I know this is just a lot of me reading different descriptions of dumplings, but it's just showing how many different types of dumplings there are, how there are similarities mixing between each and every single one of these cultures, and how there are also vast differences. It's an info dumpling. Yeah. Yeah. Hargao are sh- a shrimp-filled dumpling that usually... And I actually found this quite interesting. Um, minimum of seven, but preferably ten pleats on the top. So, like... Folding. You know, no, no, no. I think they look. They're often served with sumai. You know, the ones where they're kind yeah, of open on I know top. Sumai. I can't quite. Yeah, the folding, like you just said. Sorry, my bad. Hargao, sumai, shasubao, and egg tarts are considered the four heavenly kings of Cantonese cuisine. We've had the egg tarts before because I've made them. Yes, really, really good. We've obviously had shasubao. I've had sumai. The only one I've not had is hargao. Actually, they are transparent and smooth and filled with a generous amount of shrimp meat. However, one of the things is that it can't be too much meat because these things are meant to be eaten in one bite. I see. This sounds very much up your alley. Yes. Not, not yours because so you mine. do not like you do not well, like shrimp. I have the um the chasubao then. I have chasubao because it's pulled. Usually. Oh, you're right, yeah. Uh yeah, I don't do mince, so quite a few of these that are full of mince, I'm like, mmm, vegetarian for me. But then if it's vegetarian mince and it's got the same texture as Oh like bloody hell, I know. Idrishki zlikrofi. Are Slovenian dumplings. Uh, they are made of a dough filled with potato, served alone or with meat, and the recipes date back to the 19th century. And from the picture that I saw, it was like a circle of these filled potato-filled dumplings, meat in the middle, right. and then a gravy over top. So the dumplings were kind of like holding the gravy in place. So the um, yeah, the dumplings were kind of holding the gravy in place, which again looked really really good. Kind of makes me want to try a potato like a filled dumpling with gravy. 
Which I'm surprised that I've never done before. Just give me anything and a gravy. That's just because we're northern. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. Josh Para is a type of dumpling popular in Central Asia. They are made of an unleavened wheat dough and full of ground meat, usually without pork for for the Islamic diet. In the name, Josh means to boil and para means bit, also for the kosher. Oh yeah, obviously. Yes. Doi. Uh, the name was replaced by the Persian name Goshi Bara, meaning lamb's ear. These dumplings vary across the entirety of Central Asia, both in size and what they're served with. There were so many different variations of this one, just because it was like, you know, this area prefers to use this, this area prefers to use this, but they were all called like the same thing. Yeah. So it would be an adventure just trying the one variant of this. Uh, Kinkali is a Georgian dumpling. This one was actually really interesting. I mean, they all were, because I love dumplings. So these dumplings are kind of standard dumpling and they're twisted on the top. Okay. So instead of like just a... Don't waste like a wheel. Yeah. These twisted knobs of dough are usually filled with meat and spices. Mm. They are eaten plain or with black pepper. The meat is cooked within the dumpling, which makes it really juicy, and they add a warm water or broth to make it even juicier inside. They're consumed by sucking out the broth after the first initial bite and then eaten. However, the twisted part of the dumpling is not consumed. Oh. You put that bit on your plate to tally how many you have eaten. And usually the preferred way to eat it is with your hands because if you use a fork you'll stab it because uh, they've got a fairly yeah you'll stab through it all the broth will leak out the broth is a very important part of it and it's also kind of seen as a bit childish these are quite similar to pangbao which are the chinese soup dumplings oh yeah however these are eaten with chopsticks and a large spoon and you lift the dumpling into the spoon uh, with the chopsticks you burst it a little bit so the soup leaks out you drink the soup and then you eat the dumpling Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, unlike the Georgian ones, these ones are eaten entirely. I see. Needle. Needle. Is a potato-based dough filled with plums or apricots. Another sweet one. Another sweet one. Um, it originated from the Austro-Hungarian Empire, eaten for dessert as a main dish or a side. What they do is they remove the stone from the middle of the fruit, fill it with sugar, and then wrap it in the dough, boil it to cook it, yeah, and then sprinkle it with sugar. Or they can be fried and then covered with powdered sugar. Okay. So that's the kind of sweet dumpling where I'm... I want to try it, but I think that's... Out so, of all the sweet dumplings we've seen so far, that's probably the one I'm not going to... Because that's just sugared fruit wrapped with dough. With a potato dough. With a potato dough. Well, the... I'd still try it, obviously. Yeah, it doesn't sound as... As good as the other ones with the like, sugary fruit. Sounds a lot simpler. I yeah. Well, simple don't mean bad. Simple doesn't mean bad. I, mean, I, think, I think it's just because still in my brain I'm like, no, potato savoury. Potato savoury, no fruit. So I think I think that is just me and needing to get past that in my brain. Yeah, I mean, potato in a dough, it doesn't really taste all. No, it doesn't potato-y. at all. It's more of a textural thing. Now we're on to Lieberknödel, liver dumpling, which is a dumpling made from, you guessed it, liver. I'm going to um, guess uh, some sort of German or Germanic yes, origin. Germanic. It's made of pork or beef liver, bread, egg, parsley and spices. The batter is formed into balls using two spoons, so, you know... Like a quinelle kind of thing. Oh, yeah. like Yeah, like twisting it with the spoons. And then they are boiled in beef broth or fried in lard. If they are boiled, you're pretty much meant to eat them as soon as they're cooked, because otherwise they're going to, you know, their structure they're isn't as strong. Apart, yeah. In palantinate, I don't know. Um, in certain areas, these dumplings are often served with sauerkraut and mash. Love the sauerkraut. Mash can piss off. In Bavaria and Austria, they are usually in a soup which is called, like, um, Lieberknödel Suppen or something like that. Lieberknödel Suppen. I don't think that's the proper word, because Suppen is the soup in Norwegian, but I didn't fucking know. Um, Yeah, that that sounds like when you forget... I get forget a word in English, so you just use another one. Mandu. We know what mandu are. Love mandu. Are a dumpling in Korean cuisine. They can be steamed, boiled, pan-fried, or deep-fried, and they have different names depending on how they've been cooked. So you've got Jin Mandu, Mul Mandu, Gun Mandu, and then I couldn't find the one for deep fried, but that's all, you know, respectively, that's what they get. Yeah. So, so Mul Mandu, for example, is boiled, mm-hmm. Gun Mandu pan fried, and Jin Mandu steamed. Um, there are also, you also have different ones for what's in them. So Kimchi Mandu, mm-hmm. you know, they have basically Mandu is the end bit. Yeah. Mandu tells you it's a dumpling. Yes. And again, and again there's also different types. There's a Napshak Mandu, which is kind of flatter by the looks of it 
Um, you've also got ones called Wang Mandu, which is more like a bun. Basically, Mandu is just, this is a dumpling, and then the bit before is what kind of dumpling it is. Mamos are a round, bite-sized Tibetan dumpling that are usually steamed in a muktu, but sometimes fried. The what f- is that? I don't know, but I just love the word of it. Muktu. I'll Google image it now. Please do. Mamos. They sound so cute. You got mamos in your muktus. I love you. A muktu or... I love you, muktu, muktu. Mamos. Uh, images. Come on, bro. Images. That, ah. That's where momos are cooked. Yeah, just a steaming thing. Hot muck to yeah, it's just a steaming thing then. Ah, But anyway. The name's a lot better than what it is. Yes. Uh, sometimes steamed in a muck too, but sometimes fried. The filling is usually chicken meat, but traditionally it was yak. Makes sense for Tibet. Yes. What Filings, do yak taste like? So do I. Probably goat-ish. Um, but they're more like cows, aren't they? I don't fucking know. Fillings like vegetables, cheese, and koa are also popular. Momos are eaten in Nepal, Tibet, Ladakha, Sikkim, Bhutan, and India. In Tibet, they are served with a chili, garlic sauce, and pickled daikon, and they can also be served in a soup. Sounds really good. Just a nice, like, chili, garlic sauce and some pickled pi- red. Yeah. I'm still surprised you don't like pickled ginger. I don't know. I don't like raw. I don't like raw ginger, and I don't. I know pickled ginger is technically not raw, but it's just I don't like fresh ginger. I love this stuff. On to another dumpling that we've tried. Pierogi. Fuck yeah, baby! Um, Pierogi is another type of unleavened dough wrapped around a potato filling. A traditional flavour of these is pierogi ruski, who we have plugged in a few episodes before. He's not related to pierogi, but still. Um, Pierogi ruski is made with potato and cheese. Other fillings are sauerkraut, pork, quark, mince, mushrooms, sometimes even fruits I've seen. As well. well. Of course, there's a couple of quarks in it. They're one of the foundational building blocks of atoms. God fucking damn it. I love you. Uh, there is also something called lazy pierogi, which I only just found out about today. And basically, it is where you've got the pierogi filling and you're just like, fuck it. I can't be asked to make full on pierogi. I'm just going to make dumplings. Um, so these gnocchi shaped dumplings are made by mixing curd cheese, eggs, and flour into a dough. Yeah. So, no, you've not made the filling. You've made the pierogi dough. Yeah. But you might have been like, oh, I've added too much cheese for sake of argument yeah and then you make them into like kind of knocky sized things and you boil them and serve them with sour cream or melted butter that sounds fairly nice which sound really really nice i, I absolutely adore pierogi especially tomato sauce on and bit bit of cheese. cheese fantastic the spinach ones the spinach filled ones top tier dumpling yeah we've had i've had ones with chorizo in i still prefer the spinach ones like they're my favorite Pause. yeah yeah, pierogi are fucking fantastic. I think now, especially after reading about the other unleavened dough filled with potato, I really want to try it. The pierogi with gravy. Yeah, but it wasn't a pierogi. It which one was it? I have so many written down. Oh, it was the Slovenian ones. Slovenian one. Yeah, um, it was the Slovenian dumplings that are the dough with potato. When I saw that picture of them yeah. with the meat in the middle, I was like, I need that in my body. Yes. On to the next dumpling, somai is an Indonesian steamed cone-shaped fish dumpling uh, with vegetables, usually served with a peanut sauce. Uh, They were influenced by the Chinese sumai, but is now... I was going to say, they sound exactly the same. Yep. But now they are quite different, um, obviously, because they're not open at the top. The Chinese ones aren't cone-shaped and they're not served with a peanut sauce, but in Indonesia they are. Silesian dumplings are another potato dumpling traditional to the Silesia region of... God, say that five times fast. Silesia region... region. Silesia region. Yep. Of Poland and Germany. They are also referred to as white dumplings because they are very pale. Dumplings that are white. Yeah, they're pretty much very white. They Except are... Except serious lesion in Silesia region. God fucking damn it. Um, they are made of mashed potato and flour in a ratio of three to one or four to one, shaped into a ball, boiled in... Fl- in salted water until floating, and then usually served as a side with gravy. So basically suet, like our suet dumplings that we have in stew, but potato, not suet. Which again, Fair sound delicious. Enough. Yeah, probably... Healthier. Probably better. Probably better. Maybe. I don't know, because I Controversial really... Controversial take. I like suet dumplings, though. I do love suet dumplings. I'm, like, which I'm is really odd to me, because I am a bit iffy with like fatty food and stuff. But gosh, It doesn't feel it, though, does it? I mean, it does when you're making them fucking hell, but... <laughs> Even, I don't know, oh, I love a good old suet dumpling. They're the best part of stew for me. They are. And I, I adore stew, obviously. I love Yorkshire puddings, but... Yeah, because I'm a... 
Yorkshire boy. I'm a Yorkshire peasant at heart. Exactly. Uska are a Polish dumpling whose name means little ears. That's adorable. They are like miniature versions of pierogi, and they're usually filled with wild mushrooms or mincemeat. Apparently, they are kind of put, they're served in borscht. Oh, in borscht. But can be eaten with melted butter and chives. So, personally for me, I fucking detest beetroot. Every time Ryan's mom tries to get me to eat it, it offends me. I've tried it. I always try it. It just tastes like dirt. It tastes like dirt. So, if I were to have these, I would still have them in borscht. Hmm. In the Hong Kong Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, Which is a very interesting history, but there is a variant of borscht in Hong Kong due to, obviously, immigration. That's how all these foods end up getting widespread. And because they did not have beets, it is based with tomato. Yeah. And that is, that my kind of shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is where I would put these dumplings. So then it's still, it's still, still yeah. washed. Just to clarify your statement, when she said that's how all these foods get around the world, she doesn't actually mean dumplings. The creation of dumplings, I believe, is just one of those parallel creations. It's just things. one of the, yeah, it's just one of those like things a, like where... Like donuts and swords and stuff like, like that. Like donuts, like any type of bread, like any type of unleavened bread, yeah. leavened bread. You know, bows and arrows. Uh, yeah, it's more like the traditional dishes of, like I said, borscht, where it was based on the fact that they have beets in that area, and then they go to Hong Kong where there are no beets. Yeah. It, it's those kind of events, or pizza. Animal traps, agriculture, yeah. the menace, Salmon. things that get developed across the world got at the same time. Yeah, so when I say it's how most, it, quite a few dishes do get around the world via immigration, but there are quite a few where they just come up. Every culture has a stew, every culture has a bread, every culture has a dumpling, every culture has... Dennis the Menace. Like calculus! Yeah! Don't get a Dennis the Menace tattoo. Oh, um, I don't give a shit about Dennis the Menace, I just find it really funny that it within is a couple really days weird. of each other, two people created the exact same character. It is really cool. I just The thing, is, the reason why me and Ryan <laughs> both hate Dennis the Menace is because there was always that one kid at school who really loved him, and that kid was a definite little shit. Oh yeah. Oh god, he was a twat. But... It was a mess. But yeah, it's... Yeah, so I would have those in borscht. But in <laughs> Hong Kong borscht, because I'm more likely to enjoy the that. little mouse ears. Yeah. No, these are pig ears. Pig ears, little sorry. E- no, these are little ears, and then we have got a different ear one, which yeah, is lamb, lamb's, lamb's ears. ears, yeah. And on to my last one that I have written down, Yep. which is called Yamari, which are from Niwa community in Nepal. These dumplings have a dough on the outside made of rice flour, and are usually filled with a sweet filling like shaku, which is a mix of sugarcane juice, jaggery, ghee, and nuts. Uh, they are very important to the Niwa society and are a key part of the festival of Yumari Puni. Uh, again, sorry for pronunciation, but so there we go. We're ending on a sweet dumpling. Yeah, that's, that's a given with this show, though. Sorry yeah. for pronunciation. Yeah, it's... I wish I was better at languages. But yeah, so, you know, I spoke through... Quite a lot of dumplings, and even then, that is definitely not all of the dumplings from these countries alone, and it's definitely not all the dumplings all over the world. I really try. I tried really hard to find dumplings from every region, but I know I didn't quite do that. Hang on, I got Asia. Don't think I got Africa. Um, I don't think you got any African dumplings or any American dumplings. I didn't get any American, but I did get Central America. I didn't think. I don't think I got. You know, I didn't. Sure, you did get Mexican one. Yeah, I I did touch on empanada and stuff like that, but I know I have missed off quite a lot. Obviously, I know that because it is impossible to list all of them in one episode unless you want to be here for a week. Mm -hmm. So my request is, if you are from a certain country or you just know of a certain dumpling that I have not mentioned that you think is absolutely delicious, please do send it to us either on Instagram or if you can comment on the podcast, can you comment? In some places, I think, but it's best to just send it to our Gmail, which is podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so do that, either Gmail or Instagram, and we will do a revisited dumpling episode, because there are so many fucking dumplings, and God, I love them. We'll probably fill a dumpling about dumplings. I mean, we filled a dump with dumplings, so please do send more information about dumplings, mainly because it's always nice to read about delicious food, because I like food. Oh, yeah. 
Um, that was such a sensual, oh yeah, I am a sexy little pierogi. I'm actually, I'm, it's All funny, of this is getting cut. It's funny because that's not the first time you've said that. No, it's not. It's not the first time I've called you my sexy little pierogi. And it's not going to be the last. No. But yeah, so do send in about any dumplings from that you really enjoy, even if it's one we've mentioned, you know, I might not have mentioned a filling. You know, you might go, I like doing this with pierogi or whatever. So talk to us about dumplings because gosh darn, we love them. Just talk to us about dumplings. Yeah. I'm really hungry now. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Tell Don't Show. Make sure to rate the podcast however you can. Obviously, rate it highly. We'd much prefer that. Send us any messages on our Instagram, which is at tell underscore don't underscore show. Or you can send it to our Gmail, which is podcast at gmail.com. As mentioned in the plug, you can also follow us on Twitch now, which is twitch.tv slash show. See you on the spookiest month of the year. Bye. <laughs>